0: show that's my open that's what they used to call me swivel hit bradford that's my open i'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion bradford show that's delicious all right michael co-author of deep drive uh <laughs> which by the way mike i you know in this thing you know you have the bookshelf behind you you, typically and, and I have my array of uh, books that I've authored I, I apologize for not having deep drive right here I, I really don't know what I was thinking well, sorry
1: what's going on I'm, I'm hurt <laughs> well I
0: mean you don't have it either but I guess that you know, you're you're dizzying array deep. of uh, memorabilia so
1: yeah, uh, um, deep drive. say again time. we had a good time with deep drive.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's when I think that it was uh, this award that I'm about to give you, which is, um, which is the in all my years of covering the Red Sox. And I really, I really, you know, I've covered the Red Sox. I can go back to 95 if I want, but the meat and potatoes, the, uh, the, the jumping off point to me was really 2006, basically when you came to town and uh, who is the best players I have interviewed. And I have the long list, and at the top of the list, we are presenting you the honor. Number one person that I've ever interviewed in the Boston Red Sox uniform is Mike Lowell. Congratulations. Thank you, Rob. No higher honor?
1: Yeah, it's truly an honor It'll be up there with uh, Red Sox Hall of Fame and All-Star Games, and I'm truly honored. Thank you.
0: Well, as you said, uh, and it's not just because you, you contributed to the Bradford checking account by, <laughs> by, helping, right. by co-authoring Deep Drive, the book, but, uh, and I tell people, Mike, that, you know, when we talk about that book, I said, you know, one of the amazing things about it is that we got it done, you know, was 70,000 words. We got it done. Basically 80% of it. You, and you tell me if I'm full of hooey or not. of it with two four hour sittings in your guidance counselor office at your old high
1: school. So that that's pretty accurate, right? I think so. I mean, uh, I think what we did well was you kind of asked me general questions and it allowed me to elaborate. And I don't know, we just, we had kind of a good, uh, a good dynamic, you know, between the two where I I felt like I was able to talk because I struggle a little bit with, answering direct questions and giving like a concise answer that everyone wants if i can kind of go my own way a little bit i think you you kind of get what you're really about and then i'm not good at putting that into words i was always a numbers guy i'm a math guy so i, I think the synergy worked good where i can kind of say it into a, into a recorder and then you can kind of piece it and put it on paper so i i, I don't know I, I actually enjoyed the process i know we were a little under the gun because we wanted to get it out before You know, spring training, and I think even before Christmas or something. So, um, yeah, I'm proud of it. I think it's, no, it's good. I really enjoyed doing it. I remember,
0: I remember. I say, I think, okay, you know, that's enough. That's enough. We'll come back another day. And you're like, no, this power through, this power through. And I mean, you you obviously had the work ethic that I didn't. So I, I, uh, (laughs) I, I congratulate you on that. But it's funny you say that you have a hard time when it comes to. You know, giving the you saying direct questions and giving the answer that that the reporter wants is that something? I mean, because what I have always said about you, Mike, and this is one of the reasons why you're winning this award, is that you had the ability where I, we would do a story, and you say, "Okay, I need a quote to drop in right here in the story." Like you would, you were the absolute best at knowing. Okay, here's the quote. Boom, there it is. And, I mean, a part of that probably is understanding sort of the dynamic of how a story is written, you know, what, maybe what the writer's like, I don't know.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think I got a lot of good training, uh, honestly, uh, coming up through the Yankee system. Cause I think whenever you become a prospect, um, the media, especially in spring training covers you a lot because I think you tend to be hyped more than, you know, what you should be. And, um, mainly because they want the fans to get excited, or if they make a trade, they want to, you know, maybe overvalue. So I think they asked a lot of questions and I felt like the best approach for me, and honestly, I used that through my years with the Marlins and in my time in Boston is, I felt like I wanted to give a real answer. You know, something that was, was honest and true, but I didn't want it to be the answer they wanted. So sometimes, you know, I, I realized that when I looked at interviews going back, you know, if, you know, if you're playing a post-game interview and you're watching, you know, Nesson and, and it's on another time um, or a rerun, I noticed that I say a lot of ums and, and it's because I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking because I, I want to make my point, but I don't want to not answer the person's question. So I felt like I had an understanding of, I mean, I feel like I respected that the media had a responsibility to, to write a story or make an interview or, or you know, do a piece news wise or whatever the case may be. But I think if you were kind of real with them, they gave you the latitude to tell to allow you to answer it the way you want it. So I think it, it kind of worked. I don't, I don't think it's something that I really worked at. I felt like it was something that I, I just respected what the person was asking me, and I felt like if I gave a sincere answer, it, w- it would go both ways.
0: But you said you were trained in New York, and you went to Florida or Miami or whatever, and then you went to Boston, and everyone's like, okay, Boston's different. Did you notice it, that it was different? I mean, I think that – and I'll go back to something – John Lester told me once he was with the Cubs. He said, you know, at first I was trying, I was agonizing over everything. And then all my last couple of years in Boston, I'm like, whatever, man, I'm just going to be myself. And I don't think enough players are like that, especially now, but was that sort of your mindset back uh, then?
1: A little bit, you know, I think, you know, I was seven years with the Marlins. So there is, you know, a 10th of the media coverage that the Marlins have compared to the Red Sox, so I don't—I wouldn't say a shock, but it was you know a much bigger issue and a lot more attention was going on to what you did every day. When I got traded to the Red Sox, um, I think the advantage I had over maybe someone like John was um, I had seven years in the big leagues under my belt, so there's a little bit of a track record. Now I'd love to think what Johnny thinks when he went to the Cubs because he had that track record, you know, and it's still a big market, so I, I'm sure he handled it. Um, I don't know if he handled it differently because I think I think Johnny was the type of guy that he's pretty real, too. Yeah. Um It's just it's shocking, you know, when when you get the amount of questions because you feel like you're asked the same question four or five different times. And I think you mature enough to feel like I don't have to give four or five different answers. You know, if I give the same answer over and over, either. The guy's going to stop asking the question or he's going to accept that that's your answer to the question. So hopefully it works out for everyone.
0: <laughs> did you give advice to, to guys you know, in Boston?
1: Um, I think the only times I did with young guys was my biggest thing was it's easy to stand in front of your locker when you have a good game. You know, everyone wants to talk to a guy that drove in the winning run, you know, pitched well or, or, or shut the door. It's not as easy when you don't have a good game. And I, and I think, you know, I remember talking to, to Petey about it, um, to other guys, uh, Jacoby a little bit, like just in casual conversation, not a sit down, like, you know, lecture on you know dad is talking down to a kid, not like that, but just more like, Hey, when you mess up, admit you mess up, I'm sure you feel bad about it. Let them see that. And come out to work the next day. Like you can't harp on it and be like, this is unacceptable. It's my fault. All this I messed up, you know? And I think if you, if you, truly feel bad about messing up which I hope most players do Mm -hmm. and you're honest about it I I think I think you get a little bit of a a longer leash let's say from the guy that you know makes an excuse because the only thing people don't want to hear is baseball players making a lot of money and then making excuses because I I don't think the excuses fly with, with people you know who are grinding out especially let's say in the situation today you know there are some people going through some major tough times and someone's going to say they're upset they're not getting a major league paycheck, you know, Mm. that, that that vibe doesn't really, you know, uh, go real, real smooth right now.
0: There was, um, so I, you know, I can pinpoint some, some highlights of Mike Lowell interviews. I mean, outside deep drive, the book, you know, one of them obviously is, I hope Castro dies or something along those lines. Oh, I hope Uh he dies. I, I apologize. Um, which, was on the front page of the, the Herald. And, and you obviously, you know, you know what you're saying. I guess what I'm asking is when you have moments like that, which you know might end up on the front page of a tabloid, uh, what is the feeling or in Boston, what is that feeling like? Is it, did you have a pretty good governor on saying, understanding of this is going to be blown up and this is good? Some guys don't. I mean, some guys are like, well, why do you make a big deal of that? Well, because it was a good quote
1: or it was a pointed quote. Right. It was a pretty good uh, gauge of that? Um, yes and no. A um, pretty good gauge that I think if I'm going to talk bad about a player or a team or something or, you know, uh, the field condition or, you know, something, I think if you don't think that's going to get blown out of proportion, that's kind of your fault. The Castro thing was a little different because – I think it was actually two questions I was asked and it was when he fell and, you know, he was in the hospital and you're kind of raw with emotion because I didn't know that happened. We had played, you know, we were, we had played that night and they came up to me. So, you know, that's where I think that buffer of 15, 20 minutes after a game is necessary. You know, you were watching this, uh, what is it? The XFL when they're interviewing guys in the middle of the game and the quarterback throws a pick and they got a microphone in his face. I said, man, something's going to go wrong (laughs) one day, but, but fans and media want the raw emotion. So, you know, my, my thing was I prefaced it with the human rights violations and how poorly you treat people and the number of people that were executed because I don't think that story is told as you know, prevalent as maybe other stories. And I don't know, maybe that's the Cuban community's fault for not expressing that more on a nationwide basis. But um, it, it's a vast minority of people, so I get it. So I said, you know, because of these violations, you know, I hope he dies. So that's where I kind of got the taste of those four words are going <laughs> to come out a little stronger. And it was funny because one of my good buddies from elementary school is a dentist in Boston. He lives there. So he texted me that morning and he's like, have you seen the Boston Herald? And I'm like, no, we get the newspapers at the, at the clubhouse. You know, And I go in around 1.30, I'll, I'll check it out. He goes, You've got to see the Boston Herald. <laughs> so I went down. I was living right on, uh, I think I was on Huntington Avenue, an apartment there. And I went down. There was a little, you know, little stand. And uh, I grabbed the bus on the cover. And it's like, God, I hope he dies. You know, so I was like, wow. So in Miami, it went over really well. A lot of people, I got a lot of congratulatory texts. So I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, you know, you get that, I don't know, that mom wow. mentality type deal. But, you know my culture, and where I grew up, and the people I've been around in my life, a lot of people suffered, you know, similar situations to the most perfect situations in, in, in history, you know, not the, the number of people, but the situation, you know, having to leave your family at nine years old, going to another country, having people die, you know, that separation of family is, I think, the, the biggest disaster of that Cuban regime, but um, yeah, it hits home for me, so I gave a, a kind of a real answer. And it, I'm not saying it blew out of proportion, but it took me by surprise.
0: <laughs> but I think that you had a pretty good understanding of, um, you know, if there if, – like, even if it may be for the team or maybe for your situation or whatever it is of, of what message need to get out there um, at, at key times. And, I mean, you do go through different times of your career and you understand that, you know, when things are going good, maybe uh, I'll say, hey, you know what, this isn't me, it's, it's, it's them. And when things are going bad, it's, you know, it's reeling in the frustration. And sometimes, honest. I mean, this is another great thing about you is that I think that you were very honest and honest um, in in a very educated way, in a very intelligent way, and not just, you know, blurting it out and blah. And then like, well, what are you doing printing that Or, or, or getting you or somebody else in trouble? I think that you were able to do that or play on the emotions of the situations, um, I guess in an intelligent way, if that makes any sense.
1: Um, I appreciate that. I'd love to say it was a premeditated uh, game plan to that, but there there really wasn't, you know, it was just, I felt like during my playing career, when I was going good, I didn't want to get too excited. And when I was, wasn't going well, I didn't want to get too down. I tried to you know, kind of stay in the middle. And I think it just, carried over into how I answer questions how I treated my teammates how I went about my business like I don't feel like I had to hit 300 balls if I went 0 for 8 um but that doesn't mean that I didn't want to hit my regular 150 if I'm 6 for 8 you know what I mean so I tried to for me balance It, it was it was a balance and I I feel like I was able to manage it because um I don't think too many people you know retire or leave the Red Sox on the greatest of terms you know it's just human nature and. I got, you know, a wonderful send-off for just having played five. You had years a Mike Lowell day. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I mean, I can I can't complain. There's nothing to complain about. So, why No, why, I, you know,
0: why I didn't expect I? you to complain. But you must have looked also and you said you can only, you know, everyone's different. That's what we say about, you know, from a reporter's perspective, um I I tell, you know, young younger reporters, they say, listen, one of the things I think is undervalued is the the ability to go in there with the understanding that you have 25 guys from 25 different backgrounds. They don't all come from Essex, Massachusetts. They don't all come from South Florida. They, they might be having a bad day. And I mean, you've probably seen it with, you know, especially probably younger reporters of everyone, you know, they have the notepad and they're going to, I am going to treat you the same as this person, as this person, this person. And you know, that's not the way to go about it. And so, you know, especially, so you must look around that clubhouse, a lot of times and say hey you know what you know everyone's different in here and they're not going to take the same approach that you did like for instance Mike you talk about Jacoby Ellsberg, right okay so he was he was a to me I mean to me he was a very well-meaning guy nice guy um, and but a lot of people when they they identified Jacoby Ellsbury with the media they're going to go to when he went out in the club uh, dugout in Toronto and read off a piece of paper about front and back and you know, whatever it was. Um, you know, so everybody's different is what I'm trying to say. And and you can't teach them how to be the right or the wrong or the Mike Lowell way, you
1: know. Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a Mike Low way, but...
0: Well, you were number you're... one on the list, so there is now no, a Mike okay, Lowell so way. You. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, with that, when you, when you say that, Rob, I think one of the things I appreciated about my teammates the most is that there's 25 different paths to getting to the same clubhouse. And I found that, it's almost fascinating to me because let's look at, you know, the best year I was in Boston, which was 2007, right? I mean, you got Dice K and Hideki who come from another country, another continent, and they probably didn't know each other much. You know what I mean? And then you got a bunch of guys that grew up in the States, but the guys that I was closest with, it was Alex Cora and Dustin Pedroia. Well, one grew up in Sacramento, one grew up in Puerto Rico. They can't be further apart. You know, and not only is it 25 different paths, but a lot of times it's 25 different personalities and maybe when you use Jacoby as an example, maybe the most comfortable he is was reading that paper because he didn't feel like he could give you a more candid answer. Yeah. I I honestly didn't have a
0: problem with it to to be honest with you, because there was a lot of things he had to remember on that piece of paper.
1: Yeah. And that's why, honestly, I've always marveled at guys for me like David Ortiz, like, one guy I am truly, I respect the heck out of him in today's game is Salvador Perez. Like, he does every English interview, and David speaks English pretty well, you know, and he doesn't get ahead of himself, and Pedro Martinez is the best I've ever seen. But, you know, for English being his second language, how articulate, and he's slow, and he's confident, and he's not afraid to take his time. Salvador Perez speaks with a heavy accent, where a lot of teammates that I've been with don't have as bad an accent, and they don't feel comfortable speaking in English you know and it's not it's not a uh it's not a standoffish attitude it's more of a pride thing because they're intelligent guys and they don't feel like they can speak intelligently in the second language, so they prefer not speaking like I tell people all the time I love my job at MLB network. if I had to do it in spanish i it would be really hard for me, and I consider myself fluent I just don't feel like I can articulate so when I saw guys like david and and Pedro Martinez. And in today's game, you know, Salvador Perez, guys like that, that go out of their way to answer questions in their second language, man, they gain a lot of respect for me. And I think the media gives them that respect as well, because, you know, right now, if you went to Mexico and had to ask a question in Spanish to an only Spanish speaking person, you wouldn't feel very confident. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part we got to respect as well, because, you know, these kids, a lot of these guys are signing at 16. you got three days of meal money. Go find an apartment. Now, where are you going to go? You're going to infiltrate in the American system, or are going to find three other Latins that maybe you can, you know, speak the same language to? And, and that, that's all an adjustment of, of life, you know, to get to the same, I don't know, the same end game.
0: Well, let me take it from a different perspective. From, from you know, I'm looking at this. I'm giving you this award from reporter to athlete or former athlete. From the athlete, Athlete,
1: still athlete. Oh, really? Prove it. Uh, yeah.
0: Go, go I run, jump.
1: I dunked at nine feet today. That was Did you? <laughs>
0: oh, well. See, that's – see, in, in this world of no news or no sports, I could actually put a headline on that. Mike Lowe dunked go. at nine there feet.
1: Trying trick shots, whatever, you know. It's, that's my life right now.
0: Uh, um, so, uh, you know, so when you have uh, the baseball season and you have reporters – uh, we're a lot around each, around you guys a lot, and and I tell again tell young reporters I'm such a I'm such a wise guru. Yeah, wise guys. old Al there, buddy. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's like you got to be around for a long time, so you have to number one be trustworthy. You know, number two, I, you know I've always said too. I'm like, don't try to do the whole like be be your best friend like out of the gate. And you probably have seen these reporters say, hey, hey, buddy, what's going on? Or, and don't be nervous also, if you're young, don't be nervous, don't go down a list of questions. Um, you've probably seen all of that, you know, from, the, from the, the other side of things. Is that good advice or am I off base? No, no,
1: it's great advice, but I think, I think there's a learning curve to every profession. You know, like the way you go into a clubhouse now is probably very different from the way you were in, you know, 2002, 2005, you know, I think, We evolve and we understand what we feel comfortable with and how we feel comfortable getting at. I I think from the player standpoint, some people are always on edge. And I think in bigger markets, there's that stereotype where they're looking to find what is wrong with you. And and I think if you come with, you know, just being candid and, and write that way, the guys read it. Because some guys literally don't read the paper. But if you write something bad, another teammate's going to say, did you see what this guy wrote about you? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to come out. And that's why for me, like, the the accountability is so much higher for a beat writer because you're there every day. And that's hard because you have to, you, if someone messes up, you got to write it as well. You know, we can't always be praising someone. And that's where I think the only run-ins I ever saw with with people, you know, and media was, more along the, the lines of TV guys or columnists that maybe write, you know, a Sunday call. Because they, they write as if they have a pulse of the clubhouse and the player. And a lot of times they don't. And I, and I think a lot of that is what rubs people the wrong way. I, I would say much less conflict happens with beat writers and players than columnists or TV guys. Because it, everyone's a little tougher behind the screen because you never have to go in. If a columnist yeah. shows up once a week, well, it's been six days since my last article. You know, things will wash away. A beat writer is very different. You know, so um, yeah. And 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 the writers themselves have different personalities. Some guys are really shy. You know, but that's a tough world because very few guys, especially in Boston, where you're asked so many questions all the time. I'm not really going to go out of my way to go get the shy guy and be like, hey, buddy, did you have any questions? I already <laughs> answered enough. You know, so it's hard. You don't want to disrespect the guy, but. I, you, you know, you you kind of want to, you know, you you have your you ice out to the game, you answer your questions, you eat your meal, you take your shower, and I kind of want to go see my family. You know, uh, so yeah. it, it, that's the way it just goes.
0: Well, you know, and it comes back to relationships. You know, and and it's you know I get this question every once in a while. Said, oh, well, it even obviously when we wrote the book, Mike. You know, it's okay. You wrote a book with Mike Lowell. He's playing, um, so forth and so on. But you know, I always you know I like to think that if something that I had to write about regarding you or whoever or whoever i might have a good relationship i would write about it but at the same time like you're a human being and i'm a human being and as long as we understand that there's mutual respect we can talk like human beings and i think that that's what's lost on a lot of the honestly a lot of the world when it comes to the journalist and athlete perspective it's not kissing up it's not like saying hey you know we we have to go out for beers or whatever it's just understanding we're around each other a lot and we're, we're in the same sort of environment. We both have jobs to do and let's not pretend like there's this, either this brick wall between us or there's this, um, there's this a, where we're going to be going out every night. No dynamic. Go ahead.
1: Well, what I was going to say is I think the two biggest things that I've noticed in today's players, as opposed to, even towards the end of my career, is the social media. Because I, I think while I was playing, if someone wrote something about you, the players felt like they had no way to combat it. I can't write an article then. You know, social media has changed that. You know, the players have followers, you know, that's a, you know, a laundry list of, of names. You know, they're in the thousands, hundreds of thousands, especially the Red Sox players. So if they wanted to respond, they can. So I think there's a little bit more... Boom on the player side. However, I think the players have zero privacy in today's world. Like, I remember with the Red Sox, every once in a while, we could sneak into a hotel bar and four or five guys could have a drink after a game and, and not be bothered. That can absolutely not happen in today's game. Everyone would, boom, live picture. They'll periscope it, live Twitter, live Facebook, whatever it is. Hey, look, 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 this guy's having a drink and then one guy's going to be like, oh, that's why he's going to be better not go for four tomorrow, you know, and then it snowballs. So what happens? The player kind of shuts down because if everything I do is going to be blown out of proportion, then I'm not going to do anything so anyone can see it. And I think that's the part where, Mm -hmm. you know, I noticed a big difference with me and with the Marlins. A lot of guys, we'd go to the hotel lobby and have lunch, like with the Red Sox. I didn't do that in five years. You couldn't. You know, we had fans in every hotel room. It's not that I didn't want to associate with the fans, but I couldn't eat a lunch. You, you know, you would be interrupted. So th- that, that dynamic is very different. And that, for me, is 10 times the amount of, you know, picture taking and all this. And, you know, you can look at yourself and be like, man, who just took a picture of me that I'm having, you know, a turkey sandwich or whatever, you know? And th- that's, that's hard. But from the writing standpoint, I think it makes, you know, the journalist side a little bit more accountable because if someone rebuts and they have 600,000 followers, <laughs> There's a little weight to that, you
0: know, oh yeah, yeah, I so saw at Julian Edelman went after like Nick Wright today, you know, it's like nice hairline, you know on social media. it's like you didn't get a chance to do that back in the day and 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 really, you look at um you talk about how that has changed, I can tell you, Mike, that that players are much more guarded now, there's no question and and part of that, and I don't is and that, I don't
1: blame them, and I don't blame them it's hard,
0: yeah, and I always say, oh man, I wish it was like you know back then, or I wish it was. Even back a few years ago, Um, and I think it's two different things though. I think it's it's what you said. It's they're guarded because of that, but I also think they're protective of their. This is going to sound corny, but their brand
1: more than ever. right? I mean, I
0: don't think you guys were too worried about your brand back in two
1: thousand eight. I think I think the brand was the Red Sox. Yeah, It, it was a collective brand, but now, man, there's 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 dollars to be made off the field. You know, each player does have a brand, you know, and the really popular guys, if that's a brand that people like and follow, like that's a business opportunity as well. So, like, I, I see it from a lot of angles. It's just, it's kind of the way the game has evolved, you know. It's like, like now, I remember in the postseason in 07, it was, hey, let's work the count, make sure we well, let's get to their bullpen. Who wants to get to a bullpen nowadays? You're going to face four guys that throw 100, you know what I mean? So. Things change. The game changes on the field. The game changes off the field. And, and there's subtle changes, I think, in, in the way, you know, the media and the players react. And some things are good and some things you know, aren't that good.
0: The, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I
1: don't worry about,
0: but I know is no, kind I want, of. I want
1: to give Manny a little love. Look oh, look there. at that. Yeah, he's, go
0: he's by the way, he's on the list. He's on the top ten list.
1: What? Yeah. yeah. For,
0: for a guy. For a guy who did not talk up until January of two thousand eight, for those was, for, Mike, for those for those six months, it was like it was a gift. Oh my well, goodness!
1: It was it was uh, it was kind of like musty TV. It's, oh,
0: it was great. Yeah. But you know, when we talk about how things are going to change, you now I was thinking about this the other day, where we you know when they shut down the clubhouse for those couple days before everything went crazy everyone's oh you know it's never going to be the same it's never going to be the same or or, I can't believe they're not letting us in the clubhouse and now you know there's a very real possibility it will never be the same and why that isn't like make or break in terms of writing stories what it is it's the dynamic that we shared that I shared in that clubhouse with a bunch of you guys that I have always I thought was a huge part of baseball because the access is so big um, a big part of more baseball more than anything is about getting to know guys and telling stories and all that, that is out the window. I mean, you are like, okay, can I request this guy? We are going to get this, but I'm not going to get to know them. Like I got to know you or I got to know a lot of these guys.
1: Well, uh, I, I hope, I hope that it's not that. I mean, I think it's going to be slow because I mean, I know I've been hearing, you know, games in Arizona and all this, if they open the doors right now, I'd really hesitate to take my kids and myself. Oh, yeah. Story. You know what I mean? <laughs> so even if you open the door, like, it's going to be a slow process. But if we can look back at this, and hopefully it's months and not, you know, something that really takes a long time, I think it's going to get back to that point. You know, I, I almost think people will appreciate it. Like, I think the thing I miss the most is, you know, my group of friends, you know, whose, whose kids are friends with my kids and, like, that convenient family. Like just to hey, come over, let's have a barbecue, we have a conversation, let the kids jump in the pool. You know, like there's been none of that. I think we need the I think people need the human interaction and this is something that we're kinda of missing it.
0: But you know, but you know, Mike, that we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the rest of the world, we're talking about the players and yeah, media. The, I, I think, the players I think don't necessarily love the the interaction with the media, correct. even though it's important.
1: Right. But I think if from a health standpoint it is proven that there is no uh, I think detriment to the player. I think they're going to open it back to the way it was because there's no point in not, you know, if there's a health issue, I'm sorry, the, the league wants the players to be healthy because we want sure. the product on the field. So um, I hope it gets to that point. I think it's going to get to that point. I mean, I, we're going to look back at this and, you know, my grandkids are going to ask my kids, Hey, how was it growing up in the coronavirus time? You know? And the one that I feel for the most is my daughter. She's a senior in high school. You know what I mean? Like, like they're missing everything that you looked forward to yeah. to your high school years, and that's a tough pill to swallow. No, don't in the circumstances—guess what? Every senior in the country is going through it. It's yeah. not just the seniors it, in Miami. So, um, I don't know if that makes it easier, but everyone's in the same boat. So, I mean, I, I think everyone's looking forward to things getting back. Yeah, somewhere. and
0: here I am complaining about the uh, the access to um, yeah your media access to and theater Um All right, I'll finish with this. Uh, what is what is your favorite uh, the inter- Rob Bradford interviewing Mike Lowell moment outside the book?
1: Outside the book was when you put that stupid camera in my locker. Remember, you had that camera or something.
0: Yeah, and then
1: I did interviews with my middle finger on the side of my face. Yes, just so that the camera yes. could get it the whole time. I was
0: well ahead of the curve when it came to yeah, technology. Yeah,
1: I mean, you had the you had the mic in your face and then your sneaky camera, so. That was my favorite one. Uh, besides that, uh, when you did the jacket every day,
0: you know it's funny because Mike Silverman surfaced some photos today to me of me in Japan. Which, by the way, what a terrible hairdo I had! I had hair number one. It was what oh. a terrible look. But it's not uh, like
1: that. It's not like that. Graduated to what an awesome hairdo.
0: Well, it just you go from you go from way, pretending. I've, I've cut my
1: hair twice already. Oh, uh, really? Oh, nice. Clipper, number four. Clippers on
0: the side and yeah. back. Oh, the, oh, number four? Yeah, I go four. Oh, well, I go a half. Um, wow. The um,
1: I still got hair left. But
0: in Japan, in Japan, that's where that originated. So uh, the why you you may have uh, enjoyed our conversations. Everyone thought I was a slob, and um, and so I think it was Alex Cora, who initially said, you know, he was getting on me in the in the Tokyo Dome locker room clubhouse. And I said, well, you know, I could wear a jacket and tie. You may have been there. A jacket and tie every single day. Every single day of the entire year. And, uh, and I did. I did. But you know who was bizarrely invested in that? Was J.D. Drew, and he had no money on it. Like, he, he had he – had, if,
1: m- if J.D. had money on it, he wouldn't have played January.
0: So. No, no. But he had he – I love J.D. He, yeah, oh, of course, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But the but he had like so you know we were doing it all for charity, obviously, and uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of money at stake. But JD had zero invested, and I would come around the corner with like without you know with a coat half off, and he'd be I've never seen him more emotional in my life. So
1: <laughs>
0: I was going to say Operation Two Five Zero Eight, but the um, yes. Are we allowed to say operation two, five Oh eight. What's Operation operation? Remember that? No, no, you don't. Operation two, five Oh eight was let's get Mike Lowe back to Boston. Yeah. Oh, the
1: re-signing. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: That was was, was, was a good one. That was, yes.
1: Um, well it worked right. I mean, yes, it was, you know, I signed, you know, I signed my, I verbally agreed to the extension. I was on a trip to Disney world, um, because I was in the parade. My kids were really small. My kids were in 2007, and they were six and three. So Disney World was a big deal. And we were with another family whose kids were the same age as my kids. We were in the Disney parade, and when I finally got a call, I think it was from Theo and then John Henry, I had to take a call. We were at a character dinner, and I went up to the waitress, and I was like, I have such an important call, and, and they, they were really accommodating. They gave us you know, a nice table and all this, and they knew that we were with Major League Baseball. And he's like, she's like, well, um, my manager says you can use the upstairs room. So I walk upstairs, and I'm on the phone, and the upstairs room was the changing room of all the characters. So literally, I agreed to my deal with Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse changing into their regular clothes and the next shift coming in and i was like this is bizarre man this is you can't you can't script this how, but how is that not
0: in the book what, what's going on
1: I, I think i think we did the book already didn't we no I, I
0: no because it. i was i was on I, I you would not call me back because i was like are you gonna do the book are you gonna do the book and you would not do it unless you re-signed with the Reds. Correct. Stars. i do remember that you're right
1: yeah i don't know maybe maybe we got to do an addendum yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen like a twelve-page addendum.
0: It all sounds good to me. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, good work. Like, <laughs> thank well, you, and, brother. If, I, if you you proved that you are the number one interviewee yes. in the Red
1: Sox era, yeah.
0: Who else? Who would you put on the list?
1: Um, I think David's got to be on that list. Yeah, I don't how want to give spoilers, the but yeah. What? Uh, how, well, how, how long is the list? Ten people? people. Ten people. Man, well, you told me Manny. That's pretty impressive, David. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's I just don't wild. know, you know, I don't, I don't know the interview, uh, let's call it the interview capabilities of the last 10 years. But you know, what's great, know
0: if- you know what's great, though, is that, like, a lot of these names are good, but they're not the same. Like, they're, just, they're all different. Like, for instance, Schilling. Schilling would make you work for it, right? Schilling would be like, you know, I got to get treatment, and I'm going to make you w- wait. Two hours, and or I'm gonna make you go, hey, uh, instead of talking to you on the phone right now, I'm gonna make you down, drive down two hours down the Mass Pike to my charity function. But he was always really good for business. He, I mean, when he talked, always good for business.
1: Yeah. yeah I just don't know, you know, like the, the the guys in the clubhouse in the last five day years. I don't know who's good or not. So yeah, that's all, right. all right. Well, I'm, I'm excited. When is this list? When are we gonna divulge the whole list? Oh, Monday. Nice. So, oh. It's it's probably wait. Monday
0: when people are you uh who is so you have to interview people now too though,
1: yeah and I don't like it at all. Do you really? Yeah, it's the part if if they, if I'm on if I'm in the studio and we're interviewing someone who had a good game, no problem because you know if it's a three man panel, you're going to ask two questions max, so that that's fine. Um, I did spring training one um, you know the thirty for thirty that we do at MLB Network, and I've done you know a handful of those. I don't enjoy them. It's just hard. I don't, I don't, I always felt as a player that when a former player asked an interview, I felt like I had to say yes and I never want someone to feel like they have to say yes to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple of things and they were all great. You know, like I did the all-star game for MLB Network when it was here in Miami, you know, a couple of the days. So on that media day, you know, I went up to Nolan Arenado and, and I didn't really know him that well and he was, hey, who we that back there?
0: That's Colby.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really didn't know him. And I felt bad, you know, saying, hey, here are my questions. And he couldn't have been nicer. You know, it turned out great. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like if I ask a question, are they going to feel like, oh, my God, this question again? You know, I've been asked this three times already today. So, I don't know. I, I, the interview thing, I'd rather talk about the game. And if it's the star of the game, they're happy. So, if it's one or two questions, have it's it. all,
0: it's all right. It's it? That's all right. I'm sure you're excellent at
1: that as well. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, All right. Well, thanks for joining. You got it, my man. Stay safe.